0: As we turn our attention from Thanksgiving to Christmas, uh, Advent, I want to follow up on this video to say, how do we live lives that are thankful? How do we live lives that are thankful? Because I, I believe at times we become so accustomed to the things around us that we start to take them for granted and believe that we are actually owed them and when we believe we are owed something, then we stop being thankful for it. It says in God's Word, Colossians 3.17, And Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do, pretty well covers it. Whether in word or deed, do it all in the name, his name, with the attitude of giving thanks. Rudyard Kipling was a great writer and poet. Most people in our generation know him as the author of the Jungle Book. Um, but in any case, he was unusual in that he was actually compensated fairly well for an author of his period. He he made a great deal of money. You know, a lot of authors are artists. They really aren't recognized until after they're dead. But he actually reaped some of the rewards of his writing during his lifetime. One time, a newspaper reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I just read that somebody calculated that the money you make from your writings amounts to over $100 a word. Kipling just raised his eyebrows and said, really? The reporter cynically reached into his pocket, pulled out a $100 bill, gave it to Kipling and said, here's a $100 bill, Mr. Kipling. Now, you give me one of your hundred dollar words to which Kipling simply replied thanks (laughs) I think thanks is more than a hundred dollar word I don't know how you place a value on the word thanks because it characterizes our lives as believers in Christ Jesus If any people on the planet should be thankful, it's those who are followers of Christ and especially those of us who are followers of Christ in a country that we can celebrate and worship and praise and prosper. But if you look at the church today, you would not know that we're actually doing well. You would think that things are really, really bad with our downcast Spirits at times, the way we battle one another. Last week, we looked at Philippians 4, verses 10 through 14, where Paul says, and Paul was not in a great situation when he's writing this. Remember, he's he's in prison. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that you at last, excuse me, the Lord, that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I'm in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. And again, his situation was not one that we would say would be one in which you would be most content. He goes on and says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. We looked at that passage last week, and in it, we saw three things that will help us live thankful lives. First, we, we looked at the point that Paul says he had learned to be content. Learned to be content. Most of us are not born into contentment. That's just not the natural disposition of which we live. We have to learn to be content. He also, in that passage, he, he leans on the Lord's strength. He's learned to be content because he knows that he can do all this through his strength. Through God's strength that is in him. See, you can learn to be content, but you can only do it by actually relying on his strength. Your strength in being content is eventually going to run out. Eventually. Some longer than others. Me, I got a good, oh, I don't know, three to five minutes before my contentment runs out. Without his strength, it's just, I, I, I know I've learned what it is to be discontent. Now, I didn't have to learn that. It just came to me. Uh, all of a sudden. But if we lean on his strength and the power of the Spirit who indwells us, we can learn to be content. And then Paul says, look, if you really want to live a thankful life, live to be a blessing. Quit thinking about what you get and learn to give away. That was last week, some theological and positional places that will help us be thankful people. I want to stay in Philippians, but flip a couple of passages back to kind of give us some other practical guidelines on what does it mean to be thankful. And let me just say right up front, these are unbelievably obvious. Uh, There's no great secret truth here. I'm just going to tell you the things I struggle with, all right? So just hang with me. Maybe you don't struggle with the same things, but... These are three things that have helped me or are in the process of helping me become a more thankful person because that's where I want to be. I want to really be more grateful for what God has placed within me. So here's number one, quit complaining. If you want to be thankful, then stop doing the opposite of being thankful, which is complaining. Again, I, I didn't tell you this is revolutionary. or It's obvious. But look what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. Do everything without complaining or arguing, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God, without fault in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe, as you hold out the word of life. Now, Paul isn't just saying that if you'll not be a complainer, you'll be a star. I mean, that's not the he's not saying that. He's saying though, if you live a life where you're not complaining or arguing, then it'll help lead you to a life of being blameless and pure. Demonstrate, really what it's doing is, it stands in contrast to the way the world lives. So much so that you'll be like a star shining on a dark night. He goes on and says, "'In order that I may boast on the day of Christ "'that I did not run or labor for nothing,' But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. One of the most consistent findings in marital research over the last 20 years or so, um, from different authors, Gottman, Alberts, They've learned that one of the things is that dissatisfied couples are more likely to cross-complain. That is, they're more likely to respond to a complaint with a complaint. So, I don't know if this is making sense to you, but basically dissatisfied couples complain. And they don't just complain about an issue. They start to complain about the personality and other things about the other person. So, it starts like this. Something like, um, hey, I don't like it when you do this. Other person. Well, that's like the pot calling the kettle black, so to speak. You actually do this more. Well, not only do you do this, but you're just like your father. Oh, well, you're just like your mother. Oh, in other words, you start cross-complaining. Why is that so destructive in a relationship? Because you're going to think this is obvious, but complaining is the opposite of giving thanks. Giving thanks is giving a positive confession, so to speak, about what God has done or what is taking place in your life. Complaining is just the opposite. It is making a negative confession. Now, think about this. How much more do you actually complain than you give thanks? If you were to get gut level honest, how much more do you speak about your dissatisfaction than you do about the good things God is taking place, is doing in your life? How much more in marriages do we gripe at each other than we give thanks to each other? Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. By the way, wives, I'll just give you a slight, just to help here. If you thank your husband for something, don't then correct him about one thing he did wrong in what he did. Because then it just ruins the whole thing. So something like this. Thanks for doing the dishes, but you put the spoons in the wrong place. Kind of thing. It kind of, just thank him and go on. And then at some point later, say, hey, by the way, the spoons go over here. Just to help. Guys don't respond well to that because then for them it's like I'll never do any of it again. Why bother? Some of you aren't finding that near as funny as I thought it would be. (laughs) Mark Twain said this. Don't complain and talk about all your problems. 80% of people don't care. The other 20% will think you deserve them. (laughs) Actually Research has shown that people who give thanks and don't complain, according to psychologist Martin Siegelman, they live longer, they're healthier, they have more friends and better social lives, they enjoy life more, and they're more successful at work. Well, that about covers it. You know, we sometimes don't believe that, though. We sometimes actually believe that the squeaky wheel gets the grease. We believe that the complainer, the pessimist, will be the one who gets the attention. But research has shown that it's not true. And it kind of follows what Scripture says, by the way. The psalmist says, In the day of my trouble I sought the Lord. My hand was stretched out in the night without ceasing. My soul refused to be comforted. I remembered God and was troubled. And he goes on and says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. There's something about complaining, I believe, that participates and puts us in a negative spiritual position. That that's destructive to who we are. The psalmist also goes on and says that in other psalms, for instance, when David talks about how bad things were, he said, "I nearly, I saw the, I saw the prosperity of the wicked, and I nearly confessed it. And if I had, then my." feet would have been on a slippery slope. He said, instead I went into the house of the Lord and there I saw the goodness of God and I made a confession of who God is. This is my own translation. He's saying, if I had said this, my foot would have slipped. I would have been on a negative course. But when I went into the presence of God and confessed his goodness, everything changed. Dr. Dale Robbins says this, I used to think people complained because they had a lot of problems, but I have come to realize that they have problems because they complain. Complaining doesn't change anything or make situations better. It amplifies frustration, spreads discontent and discord, and can invoke an invitation for the devil to cause havoc with our lives. I know this seems obvious, but quit complaining. S- stop it. It'll help you. It'll be a benefit to you. Second is this. Realize how good you have it. One of the things I loved about that opening video was the realization that all of these things we take for granted are gifts to us. My wife woke up and she's alive and I'm alive and the lights work and the water runs and I have kids and there's food and a car and shoes and socks and clothes and we have it so good. And don't really realize it at times. Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 command those who are rich in this present world Rich passage talking about richness in that don't put your hope in riches. Put your hope in God, because that's really where the life that's really life will be found. But also at the same time, realize that God has provided richly for you, and it's for your enjoyment. There's nothing wrong with being happy. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, in the sense of God has given us stuff for our enjoyment. But at the same time, we need to be grateful. We need to realize God has provided for us. We need to give thanks to him and praise his name. Robert Roberts, in a book called uh, Spiritual Emotions, A Psychology of Christian Virtues, he 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 gives a different perspective on gratitude that's pretty interesting he he's, he says that being grateful or having gratitude is really a byproduct of your theology so to speak in other words the way you view things will will cause you to be gracious i know i started the sermon by telling you quit complaining but that'd be like saying be gracious be gracious like i can command you to be gracious no, what he is saying is that gratitude is a realization and a standing from a theological place that says, I understand, I am here because God has given me life. How can I not be grateful? Rather than a command to be grateful. And he talks about the three bennies, so to speak. Bene is the Latin phrase which means good and he, I'm just going to give you the three that he gives because they're a theological sort of. He, he says this. First, there is a benefit. The three factors that help us see and live lives of gratitude are the understanding that we have, we have received a gift and a perception that that gift is actually good. The psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not All his benefits. I'm the recipient of a good gift. Second is that there is a benefactor. There is one who gives these good gifts. James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights. In other words, for me to be grateful... I have to believe that I'm receiving something good and that there benefits that are coming my way don't just come at random. That there is someone providing these good and perfect gifts. And third, that I am the beneficiary of... In, in other words, in receiving these good gifts from a good giver, I am in a better place I am the beneficiary of this Robert Emmons says the self is a very poor place to find happiness or meaning in life gratefulness is a knowing awareness that we are the recipients of goodness I don't know if this is is making sense let me see if I can tie this together in realizing how good I have it, I have to realize that I've received something good from someone and it's placed me in a better position. We just just finished uh, Thanksgiving this past week, which I find a fascinating holiday. It's really my, it may be my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. It is a great holiday. Um, But let me just back us up just for a second to, to, without giving us a long history lesson, we understand that the Declaration of Independence, we are like, oh my gosh, where did he just go? Um, <laughs> Declaration of Independence says, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Okay, that means they're obvious, right? Self-evident, that all men are created equal, they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. And it ends with this phrase, with a firm reliance on the protection protection of divine providence we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes and our sacred honor in other words written in our declaration of here's who we are is a recognition that there is a creator who has provided providence we are the beneficiaries of a benevolent god who has bestowed his benefits upon us. And at the first Thanksgiving, I say the first one, not the pilgrim's first one, but the one where we recognize it, George Washington in 1789 said this, by the President of the United States uh, States of America, proclamation. Whereas it is the duty of all nations, listen to this, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey his will, to be grateful for his benefits, and humbly to implore his protection and favor, whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. Now, therefore, I do recommend and assign Thursday, the 26th of November, Next, to be devoted by the people of these states to the service of that great and glorious being who is the beneficent author of all that good, that was, that is, and that will be. Now, I I don't want to come back and, believe me, equate the United States as the new Israel or, you know, anything. I'm just saying, if you're going to give thanks, you have to give thanks to someone for what they have done for you. In our country, what is thanksgiving if we're not giving thanks to, to God? It is not thanksgiving. It could be friendsgiving or whatever else it is we're making it these days. But to say thanks, we have to realize how good we have it, and we have to realize that the good that we have is not because we deserve it, but rather because God has bestowed it. In other words, we need, we need a new view of who God is and what he's done in our lives if we're going to live lives of thanksgiving. And then, once we do, we need to express that gratitude freely. Express it freely. Freely. Again, Psalm 100, which we read this morning, says: "Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before Him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It's He who's made us, and we're His. We're the His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter His gates with thanksgiving, and to His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and praise His name. For the Lord is good, and His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues throughout all generations." This psalm to me is saying, express gratitude freely. Express it. 1 Thessalonians 5. So, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. What what is God's will for you? I, I hear people at times saying, I don't, really, I don't really know what God's will for me is. Now I know what they're saying. They're, they're saying, I don't know, like, if I should be this or be that. I don't know what God's will. Hey, start here. I'll tell you what God's will for you is. Be joyful, pray, give thanks. When? All circumstances. Well, Pastor, you don't really know my circumstances. You're right, I don't, but I know God's word. And it still says, in all circumstances, give thanks. Stories told about a young man who was feeling feeling really proud of himself. He had just finished his um, CPA exams. He had got his MBA, uh, Master of Business. And he went back to his father's small business. His father had been an immigrant to the United States. And now owned his little business and filled with self-importance. Now that he was an account, a brilliant accountant in his mind, uh, the young man began to criticize his father's way of keeping the books. And he said to his father, "Dad, you don't even you don't even know how much profit you've made. Over here in this drawer are your accounts receivable. Over there are your receipts." and you keep all your money in the cash register, you don't have any idea how much money you've actually made. And the father answered, Son, when I came to this country, the only thing I owned was a pair of pants. Now your brother is a doctor, your sister is an art teacher, and you're a CPA. Your mother and I own our own home, We have a car, we have this little business, we have resources. He said, now add all that up, subtract the pants, and all the rest is profit. (laughs) Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. We are, we are all blessed, and colors change as we think about this. Caroline, you can just kill that. I am so thankful for technology. Um, Think about this. Before you came to Jesus, what was your spiritual position? You were dead. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. But then, you're now in Jesus. Dead, you're alive in him. He has has placed his spirit within you. He's bestowed on you spiritual gifts. He's brought you into a a family of faith. Is it imperfect? Yes. I mean, again, I say this each week because I'm becoming more and more to believe it. We are messed up people in and of ourselves. I mean, you just look around and you see a bunch of messed up people. Praise God, a bunch of messed up family members. Here's the idea. Dead. Dead. Alive, family of faith, presence of God, spiritual gifts, add it all up from where you were to now. What do we have to be ungrateful for? Express that gratitude freely. Quit complaining. I want to really challenge you. This week, as you speak, try and give thanks more than you complain. Rather than just me saying, stop complaining altogether, why don't we go for at least an equal value of thanks and complaining? See if we can get there and then we'll move in the other direction. Realize how much you have and express that gratitude freely. Philippians 2, the passage we started with, here's how it reads in the message. It says, do everything readily and cheerfully, no bickering, no second-guessing allowed. Go out into the world uncorrupted, a breath of fresh air in this squalid and polluted society. Provide people with a glimpse of good living and of the living God. Carry the light-giving message into the night. So I'll have good cause to be proud of you on the day that Christ returns. You'll be living proof that I didn't go to all this work for nothing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Lord, we say thank you. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Lord, today we, we give thanks because you are a great God and greatly to be praised. And everything is to my pride. I count everything else as lost compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing you. Lord, I pray as we leave this place today that, God, you would help us to be understanding that we are beneficiaries of the great gifts that you have bestowed upon us. And, Lord, we say thank you. May we live lives of thankfulness and gratitude. Lord. I'll just say it. Forgive me for my complaining. Forgive me. Forgive us for living at times in a position of ungratefulness. And I pray that, Lord, today instead you would bless and help us realize who we are in you. Lord, as we go from this place, as we live lives of gratitude, may we shine like stars in a bright night. May people be drawn to the name of Jesus. Thank you. Stand up with me if you would. I'm going to speak a uh, benediction over you. After I do, the worship team is going to sing over us, you're free to leave. Uh, If you want to fellowship with one another, do so in the foyer or outside. It's a beautiful day. In here, I'd like some ministry teams to come to the front on the sides. And if you'd like to receive prayer for healing or direction or just anything God is doing in your life, maybe you need a fresh touch of the Spirit of God this morning. He's he's here to meet you. These ministry teams will be here to pray for you. So uh, ministry teams, if you could come on down front, a couple of you. And they'll be ready. So after I speak the benediction over you, you you can come receive prayer. You can stay in here and worship. Or you can go out in the foyer and fellowship and hug on one another.